since brevity is the soul of wit. More of your conversation would infect my brain. Romeo, wherefore art thou, Romeo? To speak of him as my kinsman, he's a most notable coward, an infinite and endless liar, an hourly promise breaker, the owner of no one good quality worthy your lordship's entertained. I'd beat thee, but I should infect my hand. The lady doth protest too much, methinks. The course of true love never did run smooth. I'm Aiden. And I'm Lindsay. And this is the Big Spot. And we are here today to discuss one of Shakespeare's later plays, yes. one of his We're in the late stage, plays. Lindsay, the end game. We're approaching the end game Yes. Uh, it um, is the winter sale. Tale. Yes. We, I thought we would do that in unison. No, we we're not even close. Just no. like the rest of our marriage. Not even close to being in unison. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it is It is one of Shakespeare's later plays. Yep. It's one of the troubled romance uh, problem plays, however you want to describe them. Um, and it's one of our, I think I will speak for both of us here, Lindsay. Hopefully we're in agreement in this part of our marriage. Yep. One of our favorite plays. I agree. Okay, good. Um, it is a, how did you describe it earlier when we were talking, Lindsay? It's a, it's a tragedy. Yeah. It's like, it's like Shakespeare had a, had a tragedy structure, but it wasn't long enough to be a full tragedy. And he had a comedy that wasn't long enough to be a comedy. And he was just like, fit together. And he just like put them together with a smash cut in the middle. Right. Like, you know, it's just like three acts of tragedy, smash cut, two acts of comedy comedy and yeah. it's weird that way isn't it, it is it is a very uh disconnected plot it, it feels like I, having we had never read or seen uh pericles before right um but it also has serious time jumps and and stuff yes. like that and it feels a bit more natural coming into the winter's tale now yeah uh knowing that shakespeare had kind of touched on this kind of longer term story approach um earlier on in his career maybe around the same time we don't really know exactly yeah. when the play is done um so actually that's a good chance to speak a little bit about uh the basis of the play uh it was again later i think the the dates for the 1606 1608 yeah something i thought like 1609 there. to 1610 11 1611 that makes sense um and it was only published in the folio so it ah, was okay. another folio only play um and yeah, only foley only it's a terrible pun i'm so glad you made it thanks uh and yeah, it's it's a it's a fairly well liked play, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, not one of his most popular. Obviously, it's not a big tragedy. It's not the Tempest. I think is still the kind of standard for uh, the late romances. Well, and but. it and it has the the kind of cultural cachet of being the final play, unless you count, you know, Henry the Eighth or Two Noble yeah. Kinsmen or something. Yeah. Um, so, like, you know, with the the theatricality of his being it being his swan song and everything but winter's tale holds its own and it's definitely it's problematic in many ways as as we'll get to and and really that's uh in you you kind of skirted around this at the beginning it is your turn to do the plot synopsis um you thought i was gonna forget but i haven't i actually have my 30 second timer up already But uh, okay. I, I know it's I'm a, just going to forget the names. That's going to be the hardest one. Well, Aiden, our loyal listeners expect that from you. <laughs> okay, it good, wouldn't so. be a Big Spot episode if you didn't forget a few names. I didn't just point at you off off camera and be <laughs> like, "What's the guy's name?" Okay, all right. Okay, I'm I'm as ready as I'm ever going to be, Lindsay. You just tell me when you hit start. Start. 
So uh, in Sicilia is uh, King Leontes, his wife, uh, Polix- Hermione. Hermione, thank you, and uh, his best friend, uh, Polixenes from Bohemia. He thinks uh, Polixenes is sleeping with uh, Hermione, so he can he kicks uh, Polixenes out, basically, uh, and condemns his wife to death. Then he finds out that it wasn't real, and it was just all in his head, and he was deluded and sad. Uh, and then he, uh, years later, his daughter that doesn't exist came into birth, and oh my god, I got it all wrong. You, that was yeah, not even well, close. Well, no, it wasn't that you got it all wrong. It's just you... You just you got you got the tragedy part. You got the first three acts. Yes, give me another thirty seconds. I will come around to Perdita, okay? Perdita, whatever her name is. Um, yeah, okay. So to finish the synopsis, yes, finish. Uh, the before uh, as he c- committed his uh, wife to death, um, she died. Mm-hmm. And then that's also when he found out that he was wrong and that uh, she hadn't been sleeping. But before that him. even happened, she gives birth to their no, no, child. Yes, I'm, I'm saying I was getting to that. You were getting I was to coming that? around to the beginning at the end. Okay. Okay. So he did this. He con- condemned her to death, um, and then she died uh, before she, he he could actually uh, execute her and gave birth to a daughter at the same time, or mm-hmm. close to at least. Um, and then uh, the daughter goes off. Uh, he he exiles the daughter. Oh yeah, no, it does happen before. Jeez, yeah, I'm sorry. you're it right. Does. I'm stupid. Um, anyways, the daughter eventually uh it's a time cut 16 years later the daughter's uh growing up in bohemia of course Mm -hmm. uh where polixenes is from and of course falls in love with uh polixenes son who Mm -hmm. is going to be heir in bohemia um and then there's hijinks ensuing Mm -hmm. smash cut again and then uh everyone comes together at the end and it's revealed that uh uh, Hermione did not die or maybe she did die and was brought back to life in any case there's a big happy comedic ending and the fact sort that of, everyone yeah. gets married and is happy at the end but there's some dark shit going on underneath mm-hmm. and it's uh, it's an unsettling it's, not, it's it's got a very unsettling leaves a bad taste in your mouth yes and much like the pilsner that Aiden tried earlier oh, this evening god I don't I for listeners who don't know which is probably most I don't think we talk about this very often but yeah. I do not drink alcohol at all um, and for some reason, yeah. And for some reason, in the last little while, I've just been craving. I'm like, you know what? I should get into beer. I should start drinking beer. I don't know why you jumped to I beer. No first. I have no idea. I have no idea. Well, because I don't think I'll ever like the taste of it. So I kind of want to force myself to acquire the taste. Does that make any sense? No, not okay. at all. <laughs> well, that's what's going on in my brain. Right. So, uh, yeah. So I had that. So yeah, Pilsner equals Winter's Tale to Aiden. The bitter uh, taste. It's a little, yeah. a little bit. And there's a whole thing of like the climax of the story doesn't happen on stage at all. It's right. It's a strange play. It really well, is and, a strange Well, and I mean, play. it doesn't fit with, again, those classical unities of time and place and action all taking place. Not in, even close. We've got Sicilia and we've got Bohemia and we've got... 16-year gaps. And, and we've, we've got, got Bohemia got... with a coastline. And yeah, well, Cecilia yes, and, obviously, Shakespeare, and, <laughs> not the best geographer. And the empress, reader. the emperor of Russia existing in a time when yes. Apollo was praised. So yes. there's a lot of anachronistic yeah. uh, stuff. And and we, I, we'll probably talk about this. There's there's some religion stuff going on yeah. in this play. The oracles and things like yeah, that. Yeah, and some Christian overtones too. So hearkening back to our last episode, I think, we even mentioned that this is like a play that you can just talk about the religious aspects alone yes, for you could. quite quite you a could. bit, and it reveals quite a bit about how Shakespeare approaches religion uh, in his plays. So, um, and it, so it was based on kind of again a mashup of two different mm-hmm. uh, from two different sources: Robert Greene's 1588 
uh, Pandosto, The Triumph of Time, which is a pastoral romance somehow about a jealous king who banishes his infant daughter and drives away his friend. Mm. Um, so there's that. And then there's also the Ovid's Pygmalion, the mm-hmm. story of Pygmalion, which is uh, revealed in the Hermione as a statue coming to life story there. So Shakespeare is taking like contemporaneous stories and ancient Roman stories and Christian allegory and mm. um, classical religion yep. and National. tragedy and comedy and yeah, really just putting it in a blender and seeing like will it blend? You guys are you guys have seen that YouTube? That that, that was a long time. That was ago. a long time ago. I'm aging myself now, yeah. but uh, yeah, it, just to see what'll <laughs> happen and yeah, you get the winter sale. You get the winter sale basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And yeah, there was another interesting thing I read that, uh, and I was thinking about it when we were watching it, that this feels a lot, it feels a lot like Othello, obviously. There's the jealousy, jealous husband undertones, Mm -hmm. which we'll get to, but it also feels like, um, I'm like, this is, this is a story I've, I've read recently. Like, where did I hear this? And I'm like, oh, it's Anne Boleyn and Henry VIII, isn't it? (laughs) It kind of feels like this is the, this is the story being told here. Like, you're going to accuse your wife of adultery and have her executed yeah that's what henry the eighth did i don't know i don't like is shakespeare you know drawing on that history from 80 years ago in his lifetime probably not but well maybe who knows well i mean it's a common enough story uh king doesn't like wife queen anymore queen king has queen killed yeah and it does happen so yeah 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 it happens all the time yeah every day charles ordered the hit on diana anyways continue (laughs) we're gonna cut that out right (laughs) yeah if music be the food of love, play on. Uh, so I guess we'll just jump right into kind of the big themes that are going on in the first one. Obviously, jealousy, mm-hmm. right? Jealousy is a huge theme throughout this play. And it's, I mentioned Othello already, but there are some, obviously there are similarities, but there's some big differences between Leontes and Othello. Um notably that Leontes does all this by himself. Yeah. Like he, it takes him no time at all to convince himself that Hermione and Polixenes have been having an affair on the side. Yeah. He like, literally like he, he tries to convince Polixenes to stay kind of like, Oh, well queen, you go talk to him. And then when she's successful, he's like, well, I couldn't do it. So they must be sleeping together. Yeah. Like, it's literally and that then it, quick. It, 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 yeah. It's like <laughs> a turn, like two lines. He yeah. goes from being one way to being the other. And then it, he just goes off the rails and he accuses kind of on the side, like wondering, is his son really his son or is his son Polixenes' son or somebody else's son? Yeah. Um, he totally doesn't believe that the baby she's having is... Um, is his, his yeah. right? Because they've been there nine months, which is very yeah. convenient time frame, of course. And but it's, yes. just, it's just wild to me reading it watching the play that somebody that a man could go from zero to 60 in like two lines like yeah. it doesn't make sense to yeah. me and but the, funnily enough <laughs> the, like the yesterday two days ago three or four days ago Aiden yes. pulled up an am i the asshole post that was literally the story yeah. you're like this is how this ha- this happened because it was it was a kind of a different situation we can link to the post probably but it yeah. was it was basically like a guy saying oh i was joking around with my wife and we have a newborn or whatever and we were joking around and then she said well how do you know it's even yours ha 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 and instantly he actually made her go get a paternity yeah, test like it was just crazy it was like this total you know 
just you get the you get the implantation in your ear and it just cannot go away fragile masculinity seriously i mean this is is, this is and that's why it i mean it's a common complaint about the play is like whoa whoa this inciting incident comes out of nowhere Mm -hmm. um and but it does feel especially when you like we saw a live performance of this Mm -hmm. um before the pandemic i think two years before the pandemic started um and it was it was kind of even then i remember watching and being jarred but at the same time the the actor uh just nailed the sense of like he's convincing himself yeah as he's as he's describing this it's not so much that he's actually arguing with it mm-hmm. it's that he wants to go down this path and his brain right. is, is just it, primed for it primed and, for it yeah. yeah but i don't understand why leontes wants to go down this path that doesn't make sense to me and it's it's it, something... it is it's that fragile masculinity well, though. Yeah. it really is it's, it's just the like the way to explain it yeah right? it's it's just this this preoccupation with um chastity and ownership and well and and i guess the the fear and and this i we've talked about it before but the the idea that um for a man in this time period where it's not just about kings who pass on lineages but now you've got you know maybe a bunch of money behind you mm-hmm. and you've got land maybe or something you know you're a merchant and you you can pass something down to your you want to make sure it's your kid you're passing it down to and there's but I mean, you, for I mean, men, like, <laughs> you don't really have that knowledge. Yeah. A woman can't say that wasn't my baby because, you know, you birthed it. A bunch it, of people right? saw you push it out probably, yeah. So, I mean, there's there's some anxiety there, I think, in this time period about, you know, men's paternal obligations and responsibilities and rights, yeah. um, which are kind of new, I guess, for the middle class that's forming yeah. at this time. Um, I mean, but yeah, have always been in the kings well, and, exactly, and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. But um, so, I mean, I guess that kind of explains it. But it's it is really jarring to look at this play and be like, like to come across a Reddit post literally the same week that we're recording this episode and be like, wow, this is still happening today. And yeah. you don't even really realize it that like men are really are you guys okay <laughs> like i really i'm really concerned for you as a as a gender as yeah. a as a, a, a species yeah i mean i wouldn't go to reddit for like your, no the, for the sure the most up-to-date no. of of uh men's no some shining examples of yeah. masculinity yeah. that's for sure yeah. but there's it's an it happens enough yeah you know where men freak out over and i just i don't i don't understand that yeah i don't get it either. like i mean if if you have the if whatever what does it matter after the child's yours? Like once the child is being raised by you, it's yours, you know, like, yeah, that's the thing that really doesn't get to me is because it's, it completely separates fatherhood from paternity, which is how it is already. I mean, people raise. Yeah. Adopted kids or. Yeah. Or foster foster kids kids or, you know, just marrying into someone. Yes. You know, you can, you can do that. That's what being a father father is. is. Yeah. And it has very little to do with sperm. So like, why worry about the sperm so much? If you love this woman, why does it matter if. Well, and. Where the babies come from. That's such a good point because this is the other thing that, um, in Hermione's trial scene, he's accusing her of being so loving towards Polixenes and being, you know, so open and forthcoming. And she's like, you told me to do that. Yeah. Like, I love you so much. Yeah. I don't want to cause you any harm. I don't want to cause you any, uh, like, embarrassment or to cast dispersion on your on your station. So I'm going to be kind and nice to your longtime best friend. Best friend yeah. Because you told me to do that. Like, that's... They, their relationship shows no sign of strain or trouble at the very beginning no. until 
he decides it does. Yeah. Right? And and it literally is all in his head. But it has this outward manifestation of, of like the, the ripple effects of this one moment, this one turn, like echo throughout the play, even through to the the very bittersweet ending. Yeah. And I guess the ending does give Leontes a chance to repent which is something that sets yeah. him apart again from Othello like Othello doesn't get the chance to repent Desdemona is already dead when he realizes he the mistake her. well yes <laughs> she's been murdered yeah. by him um, when he realizes that he was wrong yeah. and well, Leontes, Leontes does yeah. it is the same thing so yeah. Hermione dies his son dies and then he receives this is right after he receives the news from the oracle that the oracle, the Delphic oracle. Yeah, oracle of Delphi, yeah. That Hermione is actually innocent. He says, I'm not going to believe that. And then all this stuff happens. So he's like, I've angered Apollo. I'm, you know, I was wrong. But all the damage has been done. Mm-hmm. And, but that's not the end of the play. Like, that's where Othello ends. Leontes still has, well, there's still another two acts to go. We don't see Leontes until the very end. But um, he doesn't... His story doesn't end when the repent happens. Yeah. He has 16 years um, until the end of the play when he has... And we see this in, like, the, the scenes in Sicily, in Sicily um, where he's talking to Hermione's friend. Um, now it's my turn to forget her name. Paulina. 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 Sicily. Come on. <laughs> Where it's clear that he spent 16 years, you know, without marrying again, and he's he hasn't taken any lovers. He's been grieving the whole time. Yeah. The whole time. Yeah. And yeah, and Paulina very cryptically says, "You won't marry until your wife takes breath again," yeah. um, which is you know foreshadowing if ever there was one. <laughs> but um, so he does have this this chance to kind of mend his ways, mm-hmm. the air of his ways, and then at the very end is able to show charity to. Florizel and Perdita without knowing that Perdita is his daughter and um, and kind of makes amends for the whole thing. Whether it's deserved or not, I don't know. We don't get a lot of Leontes's... Yeah. We don't know what he's done in the, those 16 years. I mean, How, yeah, beyond that broad picture of him right. repenting the whole time, essentially. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I guess it's... You know, it's, it's, it's problematic in some ways to have somebody, you know, just so easily be able to continue on with life i guess well i mean but does he i mean like it i mean i would say that in my interpretation of it and in the productions that we've seen mm-hmm. he really does seem to have turned a corner and, and repented yeah, to an extent for, like he really undoubtedly it, it's just a matter of um and i mean i think that's where the the christian connotations of this yes. come back you know the, the idea that you can repent mm-hmm. you can turn your life around and you can become a good person again even after yeah. you've done a terrible thing like yeah. this um and he's rewarded with it in to an extent he is. Uh, in terms of hermione coming back to life right yeah. and his daughter coming back and, yeah you know mending his, although notably his, his son does not come back to life and that i think is um yeah. possibly there there are some uh patriarchal paternalistic other words that start with p that like undertones to that that it's it's well i mean i don't want to talk about it now i think we can talk about it when we get to gender a little (laughs) bit that makes sense but you know it's it is an interesting ending on that front as well um just in terms of like his his act of repenting 
for however long that 16 years is sort of like the the sincerity of it is sort of undercut by the what actually happens like mm-hmm. who is actually brought back as opposed to who is left but anyway we'll get to it okay life but a walking shadow a poor player that struts and frets his hour upon the stage and then is heard no more it is a tale told by an idiot it's full of sound and fury signifying nothing the next theme I think we should touch on uh, is friendship. I think it leads quite nicely from the jealousy angle because Polixenes and Laontes are the best of friends. Yeah, and for about 20, 20 lines. For yeah. about 20 lines. <laughs> and then um, that friendship is is called into question, yeah, very early on in the play. Um, but it's, it is, we've talked about this a lot before, that male friendships were prized even above a husband and wife's yep. relationship. Yep. So Polixenes and Laontes grew up together. It's it's implied that they've spent their whole lives as friends. Call each other brothers and yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's it's again, it's very jarring. It's it's not just like you <laughs> in an Elizabethan sense, you could almost forgive him turning on his wife. <laughs> Right? <laughs> because it's it's just your wife. Yeah, it's just a woman. But yeah. you're going to turn on your best friend? Yeah. Holy shit, this is serious, right? So I think that the centering of that relationship, that friendship in that in this opening act is, I, I guess it drives home the point that Leontes is, is deadly serious about this, yeah. right? Um, that he's going to, you know, put his whole friendship on the line his friendship with Polixenes on the line over a whim, basically. Yeah, yeah and, and it's interesting that the way he talks about their their friendship and their um, their closeness as children. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, he's he, he when he talks about his son Mamilius, I think his yeah. name is, um, he describes him as like, oh, well, you're the age we were when we were best yeah. friends and, and hanging out. And it's a time of like, the way he portrays it is like an idyllic youth. Um, he says stuff like, well, we didn't even know what weapons and swords were or anything like that. We, we kept them tighten their sheath and stuff because uh we were so innocent and, and pure um and it's i it, bet the swords weren't the only things they kept in their sheaths oh jesus well bad. it has sexual connotations it does polixenes conversation with hermione leads that to that conclusion does it yes what's the part where he's <laughs> where he's talking about where she's like quizzing him and like grilling him about his youth yeah. with Leontes, yeah. and he's like, "We were so innocent." Yeah, that's what I'm I didn't. About. Oh, I thought the same you were section. Talking... Oh, okay. Well, yeah, he's yeah. he's like, "We were innocent until we met you." Women. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yes. And then yeah. she's like, "Don't call us devils, yeah. right?" Like we yeah. like it's it's a it's a characterization of the women in the play very early on. That's that, true. Yeah. That. Uh, sets them apart from the men like men could stay in this state of innocence with their swords sheathed um, (laughs) only as long as they aren't introduced to To sinful women right and so which is yeah which is really all just a big setup for Perdita's eventual reveal right definitely but but it also sets up I think the not from Polixenes like Polixenes and Hermione are very playful about it but Laontes takes that to heart really and it's like, yes, I have been led astray by this wanton wench. Yeah, yeah. And she's now carrying my best friend's child. And 
can't be trusted. Yeah. And there's not really another instance of male friendship in the play. There is, of course, the other big friendship is uh, Hermione and Paulina. Paulina. Yeah. Uh, and they have the... I'd say the tightest bond out of all of them. They're the only ones who don't waver from each other. Yes. Uh, Paulina sticks with her to the end and then afterwards as well. Yeah. Um, and it's it's a really serious indictment. Paulina's a really interesting character mm-hmm. because of not just her relationship to Hermione, but her relationship to uh, Laertes. 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 Yeah. Wow. The names are tough. Um because she she does stand in as the only voice of reason yeah. in his court, really. I mean, others try, but she sticks up to him. And this is so... Um, I was reminded of Cassandra in Troilus and Cressida being the lone voice of reason mm-hmm. during this wild battle between the Greeks and the Trojans. And Paulina is kind of linked with the occult or linked with the oracle. She's It's heavily implied that she had something to do with... Hermione's rebirth at the end Mm -hmm. that maybe she's into magic or that she is yeah she hints at magic and stuff yeah Yeah. she's not face value what you see is what you get um so in that sense she and Cassandra are are very much alike Cassandra being like a seer almost right so they're both linked with this like cosmic magical world Mm -hmm. um and they're both strong enough to stand up to the powerful men in the room and they're really the only one the scene where paulina paulina brings the baby perdita to see leontes and he's like no cast her weight i'm gonna put her on a fire like a killer paulina in front of her husband and all of the other courtiers are is the only voice of reason and she scolds them for not standing up and calls them weak and stuff like that right doesn't Mm -hmm. she so She's a woman who is, you know, she's not a saint. She's not a nun. She's not a, a virgin. She's, she's just a, a wife. Yeah, she's, she might be a <laughs> she witch, might be a, right? She's practicing magic. It's right? Like, yeah. And she's got this powerful voice of reason, mm-hmm. the only voice of reason. Yeah. Really? I yeah. think that's pretty interesting. I, yeah, I think, I mean, let's just talk about gender now. Okay, because we can, like sure. the, the It really is a, an inversion of... Uh, the traditional expectations of who is reasonable. Mm-hmm. I mean, Leontes just goes off his passion. He, yeah. he, I forget the line. He's like, I've thought too much about my yes. errors or I don't remember what it was. But he, he's let himself follow, fall down this this rabbit hole yeah. of uh, concern and worry over this issue that doesn't exist. Yeah. Whereas level-headed Paulina and Hermione, for yeah. her case, where she pleads her own case very mm-hmm. reasonably as well, mm-hmm. like, like you said, like, I did this because you asked me to. I, mm-hmm. I loved uh, Polixenes like a brother because mm-hmm. he's your brother and yeah. and so forth, right? And Paulina continues that and is unerring in her dedication to upholding justice and truth. Yeah. Um, and it's Leontes especially who has no control over his own emotions and they completely run rampant over him. Men are too emotional to lead. This is the problem, right? <laughs> and, and it's repeated even yeah. to an extent in Polixenes later on when he finds out that his son is yes. going to be marrying a... A, a, a lowly shepherdess. A lowly shepherdess. Yeah. And he can't handle that. And mm-hmm. he goes mad and he will not listen to his son at all. Yeah. Uh, won't do anything uh, regarding that. Despite, again, Camillo, the one man who advises both of the both of the kings in the play um you know he's also i guess camilla is actually it's interesting because paulina and camilla wind up marrying at the end yes they do um and he's also a fairly good voice of reason so he is yeah i, I suppose that's actually worth considering too because the the two of them are this kind of balancing act of of 
moderating the the emotional extremes yeah. of the the, the emotional men yeah. are are kind of yeah you're right moderated by Paulina and Camilla to a, to a certain extent although to a bit of a lesser extent mm-hmm. I don't think he has as much of an influence. Yeah, well, he fails to influence yeah. Leontes. Yeah. yeah, and and doesn't really succeed at uh, convincing. Yeah, that's true. That's right? true. He just escapes both times. He's just like, I'm going back to this other place. Yeah, I'm <laughs> running away. <laughs> Run away from my problems. That's true. I, yeah, no, because Paulina really does stand out. Yeah, she and does. Her, the play gives her the most uh, leeway and the most space in order to yes. evoke these these rational thoughts uh, and. To be shouted at from all the other male characters yeah. in the play. Yeah, exactly. So. Um, while we're talking about gender, we can talk about uh, Perdita and Florizel. I think that's mm-hmm. um, some interesting stuff going on there. And I guess mix that with uh, social class, too, because there's a yeah. lot of that that goes on in, yeah. in the second half of the play. Um, so, like, Perdita is called by pretty much everybody in the play is referred to as, like, too beautiful to be a shepherdess. Mm-hmm. Um and so, I mean, it's it's we know from the beginning that this is going to be the long lost daughter of Leontes and Hermione. Yeah. Um, so the irony of it that Florizel believes he's and he doesn't care. It's not coming from Florizel. It's coming from all the other people around him um, um, that that he's fallen in love with this woman, regardless of her station in life. So mm-hmm. he's kind of a forward thinking, you know. 16th century man right (laughs) okay i was gonna say 16 year old boy but well yeah okay that too but um but then when it's like his father shows up in disguise to this like pastoral uh you know seasonal festival that they're having that Mm -hmm. that uh uh, perdita's family the sheep sharing festival and um and nobody recognizes him floors all included which I think is just hilarious that in Shakespeare's plays you just put on a beard and nobody it's like it's Clark Kent all over again, yeah. right? But um uh the minute that that Polixenes realizes that his son is serious about marrying first of all, that Florizel is dressing up as a, a shepherd um, but way below his station, which is the very first argument that Perdita and Florizel have, right? Yeah, <laughs> that that's you're going to yeah. dress like this and and be like, you know, you're pretend not, you're not, be, yeah, yeah, pretend yeah. to be my kind of person. Um, so Florizel gets knocked down for that, and Perdita gets knocked down for being this like, yeah, seductress. Really, yeah. she's she's wooed you away from just like. Um, Polixenes had hinted at with Hermione 16 years earlier that yeah. women are what cause men to go off yeah. the innocent path that they're on. Yeah. So there's this interesting um, marriage of um, of Perdita's female gender and her presumed low-class station in yeah, life yeah. that makes her an unsuitable bride-to-be. Despite all her... Every Natural. other quality, yeah. Every that other she quality, has. yeah. She's exactly. she's very chaste. She's modest. She's beautiful. She's you know a good hostess. Yeah. She does all the things. She does everything right. Um, but it's only when it's revealed that she is actually his best friend's daughter yeah. and a princess that he's like, oh well, all right then. Florizel can marry her. Which and it's is like, fuck you, Polixenes. <laughs> well, like, I mean, it, it's very in keeping with Elizabethan structure of of class and yeah. and the order of things, the great chain of being, as we've talked about many times. But it does, um, it does the play itself. 
I don't know if it would. I was going to say that the play itself seems to hint that uh, it's the youth of Florizel yes. that, that, is, that is in the right and that understands the truth. But I, I feel like it does that in a sense that um, Florizel is aware somehow that this lowly shepherdess is actually a princess and that's why he's attracted to her in the first really? place. Well, I mean, I guess the, the play wants that yeah, to happen. Play and of leads course, you down the, that. the play is going to restore things to rights by the end. Mm-hmm. That's what comedies do. So the, the second half of the play, or act four and five of the play, definitely have that, that let's restore the balance of things. So there's going to be this natural, you know, attraction between two people of high-born class, yeah. even though they don't appear it on yeah. the outside, yeah. right? Um, but I think it is interesting that, you know, to jump to the theme of youth and old age, it is interesting that Florizel is is kind of cast as this, <laughs> I joked about it, but like a new age man, right? Like he doesn't mm-hmm. really care about this sort of thing. And there's so much talk throughout the play of, of like children carrying on from their parents yeah. and and this is this is why Lantis ultimately is is so concerned with uh the parentage of his children yeah. um that that they carry on for their parents and in this case we see perdita and florizel kind of transcending their parents maybe not perdita yeah. transcending hermione but definitely transcending the yeah the, the whatever Lantis yeah, and yeah. and certainly florizel is transcending the you know the pettiness uh, of yeah, and, yeah and prejudice that that yeah. Polixenes has yeah. to be better than their parents right yeah. which is what all parents want their kids to be better than them but then there's also this other side note here of like I think it's when Lantes is talking to Mamilius I think that's when it happens when he talks about how like you're or no it's when um uh Paulina has Perdita and as a baby, and she's like, he, she is like a Xerox copy. She doesn't say that. Yeah. Uh, but she's like, she's like a facsimile of the father, like the nose, the eyes, the hair, yeah. the hands, the smile, the dimples, everything. Yeah. So it's like, if children are the exact copies of their parents, they can't really transcend their parents. They can't do better yeah. than their parents. Are they doomed to repeat the same, like going through the same patterns? The the play kind of yeah, it's ambiguous. In, about in that the back bit, of your yeah. head, you're left wondering that, or at yeah. least I was, right? That you yeah. know, you have to wonder. That's a good point, because yeah, I mean the the play definitely wraps everything up in a neat little bubble. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not how that expression goes, but no. uh, it, it it does kind of everything's on, ends on a happy note. But yeah. the the method that it gets to there is twisty and turny and confusing, mm-hmm. and relies on magic, mm-hmm. witchcraft, mm-hmm. and it doesn't address those kind of questions Mm-mm. that it does raise. Right, right. and I, I think you're right. That's that's really. Uh, this is again late Shakespeare, you know, yeah. undercutting every every positive message that he can possibly slam in here. He also has yeah. a, a contrasting, you know, dissonant note uh, weaved in there somewhere to to make you question whether yeah. or not that's that's really how you should be viewing it. Yeah, yeah, and well, they're probably is for a reason, right? They don't they don't lend themselves to easy explanations. So it's true. So when you see, you know, it's not a typical youth versus old age, you know, dichotomy yeah. anymore. It's like, you know. It may, it makes you question the long held assumptions you might have had about what what else you've seen in the theater or what literary um, tropes I guess you you've come to accept. Yeah, between youth and old age, and and I think the structure of the play also backs that up. And the use of time mm-hmm. and the fifteen year sixteen year gap um, 
in fact, they have time appear on stage Literally. and like give a monologue as a chorus, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Um, where he kind sums a, up what happens. Kind in of the a strangely uh, threatening. Yeah. Well. I mean, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I think it comes down to the uh, like the production. production and the the yeah. style of the actor. The BBC version, that's the one we watched. The the TV movie yeah. uh, one was odd. It was kind of a strange framing. It's all whites, and he's just got like an hourglass yeah. in hand. Like he wasn't that threatening, but the text can definitely be well. And like way. the way he he addressed it, he was just kind of like, "Well, let's, let's see what time has in store for you, yeah, yeah, right?" Yeah. And it's like even that, but that that's a good point because it's it it does thematically fit with. You know, let's undercut the message. Like, yeah. time can heal all wounds, but does it? Yeah. Like, you yeah, know, it's, yeah, it's yeah. Shakespeare, <laughs> you know, the words can be used to play with that, exactly. that little expectation, Yeah, I guess. yeah, exactly. And I think that's that's what makes the, the ending work and also not kind of leave you hanging a little yeah. bit because it is, it has this, this gap in which... A lot has happened Mm -hmm. and you pick up these characters again and they're not the same characters you had in the first three fifths of the play. Yeah. Um, But they're recognizable as some version of that. Yeah. And that that shift in time and that shift in character uh, over those over those 15 years uh, results in 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 a different feeling when you arrive at the end because um except for Perdita I'd say she's the only, she's fairly consistent throughout um and Camillo again they they, yeah. they, they play the same role in and both time periods <laughs> yeah I guess Hermione yeah. with her two lines again at the and end Paulina. of the play and <laughs> Paulina yeah yeah well yeah okay there, but, but but Leontes is the main the main person that yeah, has to that change shifts. right yeah, that's yeah. that's the dynamic but, character that yeah, we're talking about I guess but so does Polixenes he goes from you know loving Leontes and yeah. his family to not trusting his son and hating him and then hating Leontes and everything like he's shifted to yeah. in yeah, kind of the opposite true. way right yeah um and again it's all the happy go lucky of the end that brings everyone together but there, there is there is a shift there and i mm-hmm. think that's um it's a it's a marriage again we're gonna talk a lot about marriage apparently this time yeah. it's a marriage of uh, a marriage of form and uh text itself i guess like the okay. the actual characterizations and the uh structure of the play itself mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they both want you to have this shift in perspective for the characters and you as the audience are going to going a shift from tragedy in the first half to yeah. to comedy in the second from a winter setting to a spring summer well setting, it's a fall, fall setting. setting yeah it's it, winter's uh, approaching yeah, again i guess i guess that's right yeah thing. it's it's winter's on its way so yeah. it's probably late summer or something yeah. but yeah. yeah yeah i mean it it time is an interesting the fact that time is a character too i mean that it's not the first time that's happened but um or maybe it is for time specifically? I don't remember time as another. I mean, Pericles Char- again had Characters a that are concepts are not an, a, a foreign thing to no, Shakespeare. No, But, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess I guess that, yeah, you summed it up really well, that um, that things have changed in those 16 years. And they it, it is interesting, like, for Polixenes and for um, Leontes, we don't know, we're left wondering, like, what has happened in these intervening years. Um, we know that Perdita has had a pretty good upbringing. She's with this kind of funny old shepherd and yeah. his insane son. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's going on. But she, you know, like she's had a fine upbringing, and mm-hmm. and Hermione has presumably been encased in marble for I don't know, or but turned into marble. Th- let's I talk about know. the ending. Well, we can sure. Let's the magical ending the magical or ending. the 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 legitimate ending. 
it, well, okay, maybe this isn't going to be our bickering no, piece, I but know. it could be, I guess. Um, bickering I mean, our ancient again, bickering. bickering. Jeez, I am really. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> uh, it is, you know, do you think that she was never really dead and they just, you know, Perdita just took her away um, and you hit her Paulina? for Paulina? Yeah, sorry. For the last 15 years, just hit her away. Or do you think she died and was brought back to life? Yeah, I mean, I think think there's room enough to believe that Paulina has some kind of magical abilities or or is in tune with something otherworldly and could have affected um, like a Romeo and Juliet type drink this potion and sleep for 16 years, you know, sleeping beauty type thing. Yeah. and could then have have created that illusion at the mm. end, um, but yeah, I don't, like the the play doesn't the play. I don't think wants us to have any real answers about it. It's yeah. kind of I think the as jarring as it is to have this tragedy become a pastoral romance, become a supernatural like the final scene in Ghost, like. <laughs> poignant heartbreaking bittersweet you know thing i think that's i don't know why it's the point but i think that's the point yeah like it's just there i don't think it's done badly i think it's it fits and i like it yeah but i don't think it necessarily it's not meant to be explained yeah yeah i agree with that i'd say that he he gives hints like there's a couple of lines from someone i don't even remember who saying like oh yeah paulina has always been keeping that little yeah. house far away she yeah. only goes she goes there every night to eat dinner and stuff and it's like three times a three day, times a day or, you know, for 16 I, years I have no idea why yeah. and it's like okay maybe she was keeping her there the whole time but it she doesn't really say as much she just basically says like yeah my, the magic cagey. yeah the magic i've done is not evil don't worry about it um kind of approach well, she certainly so, knows more than than any other character that she talks i mean to by yeah the, the, end there. the 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 truth is somewhere in uh paulina's hands it's just whether we don't get it as the audience um but i agree i think and i think it actually does tie into the uh the ending that we don't see, which is the yeah. the, rec- the reconciliation of everybody. Instead, we get it narrated to us. Yeah, it's classic telling instead of showing. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's a very strange thing because like you you you're building this. There's all these pieces in motion. First of all, there's um, Florizel's former servant dude who's like a trickster kind of yeah. uh, comedic figure who shows up and he ha- winds up having like the most important role he's going to introduce the shepherd to the king right. uh, Polixenes to explain the she- and the shepherd has a bundle of of goods that yeah. were left with baby Perdita that he's kept for himself all these years that prove Perdita's parent who she is yeah, yeah yeah so and but you go off onto this thing and you're into this apparent meeting that's going to take place and you don't know whether or not because this trickster character is not really yeah. trustworthy he's been yeah. stealing from people yes. and been lying to people and making up songs and selling them shit yeah. and then you're like okay so is he going to actually do it like it's a bit yeah. of tension right like yeah. there's a tension to this thing and then it gets completely undercut because the next scene that basically happens is these people saying oh yeah did you hear the king found his daughter and she was marrying the the son of the king yeah. of Bohemia and all this stuff just is explained just, yeah and it's it that happens in order to allow the emotional climax of the of the play to be this final scene yes uh for the resurrection of hermione yeah and i think that that's 
as a writer, I really like that because you don't see it coming. You, yeah, you, it is very unexpected. Everything, everything is built up to this. Yeah. You think, oh, are they going to, are the lovers going to f- stay in love and everything's going to work out? It's going to be Pericles all over yeah. again. Well, yeah. yeah. And, and it, and it, but it is, but it's not those lovers. No. It is, it is. Uh, Hermione. Yeah, it's Hermione and uh, Leontes, who we never see actually really in love. Yeah. Um, but we see his his loss and his mourning for mm-hmm. her. Um, and then she arrives and mm-hmm. he's happy again. Mm-hmm. And then he can marry off Paulina and Camillo and stuff. And it's it's just such a, it's a switch, but it works uh, for the audience, I find. I, I always, every time I see it, I'm like, oh, it's a good scene. You know, it, it just what, it, it what, feels nice. Hearing you describe it, though, and knowing what we know about the unreliability of some of these texts and how they came to be codified in the folio or various quartos yeah. with bad recollections of somebody's lines, like... Yeah. I don't. I have. I'm not a, a person who can look at the text and be like, "Oh yes, Shakespeare definitely wrote this." But yeah. that does seem like the kind of thing where it's like, "Well, we didn't. We don't know what he wrote in this. Well, let's just have these characters like talk about it but instead." It, I don't know because no? it's already a long enough play, and I feel like he 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 yeah. wanted to avoid that exact thing yeah. happening. He didn't want to have two climaxes to the story. Yeah, so he picked one. And he picked the one well, that he thought was more important, which is uh, Leontes and Hermione. And and we're we're like, Pericles is not that far in the past at this point. And you, you've just done that in Pericles. Mm-hmm. You've literally just had like that the two climaxes there yeah. of Pericles meeting his daughter and then Pericles finding his wife and, and the work. family. Well, I mean, it's <laughs> well, not we that it doesn't about, work. No, but, we talked about it. We were yeah. both like, yeah, okay. And then all of a sudden his wife's there too. And it's like, oh, okay. Like, and it I, didn't... I, I get it. And I, I wanted that, though, in The Winter's Tale. Like, I did want to see that the happy family reunited. I also wanted to see how you're going to, you know, deal with the fact that, you know, Perdita has spent 16 years with a father and a brother, and now they don't matter anymore because you're the daughter of a king. And I wanted to see the, like, I, I'm curious about that, yeah. the fallout from that. And I wanted to see the happy reunion. I'm not mad that the happy reunion we get is what we get, but it would have been nice to see it. I guess. I don't I don't know. Like I'm not it I agree with you though. I do think it is interesting and it's unexpected even if I'm not a huge fan of that. It's still it's not something you would well, expect from Shakespeare. It is it is this like you said, it's it's a third play in this one play, yeah, right? Yeah. It's you have the comedy, you have the tragedy in the first half, uh, a comedy, a pastoral, romantic comedy in the yeah. second, and then in the last scene you have a supernatural. What the fuck? Yeah, and yeah, it yeah. ends on the what the fuck. Yeah, but it's a happy what the fuck. Yeah, and yeah. That, that's yeah. like that's just such a, a unique thing within Shakespeare that I, that's what I really love. And it, it, I mean, it's unique, but it also does feel. Reminiscent, it's it feels eerily similar to uh, the Tempest as well. I mm-hmm. think when we yeah, get there, and there's there's some magical elements to Cymbeline as well. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's not Shakespeare is playing with some interesting stuff, and I mean, not that these are like the kind of witches that James the First was interested in, but yeah. you gotta wonder if maybe he's catering to the tastes of the monarch and the 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 court. Yeah, court for culture which of the he's time. Yeah. writing, yeah. you know. Um, let's, let's throw some spooky shit in there. I'm not mad about it. Yeah. I kind of like it. Double, double toil and trouble. Fire burn and cold and bubble. What do you make of the fact that Mamilius is not brought back 
at the end. Nothing. I have no thoughts on it. You have no thoughts at all? <laughs> no, you ever, You always say, oh, it's really interesting. I'm like, how? I don't. Well, I just, I think <laughs> what I was referencing earlier, and it was kind of brought up in the Folger, um, the essay, the mm-hmm. Folger essay, um, the Folger essay. That's yeah. all you need yeah, to say about all, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought there was <laughs> more to that, but no, words, it's, but no. there none coming. Yeah. Um, that at the end of the play, Leontes... His masculinity has been in question, whether it's by himself or undercut by Paulina or called into question by, you know, the possibility that Hermione might have been cheating on him and all that stuff, right? At the end of the play, his... I'm not gonna... I'm not gonna be able to explain this very well. I don't know how to... I don't know how to get the words out. It's like... Mamilius is the heir. Mamilius is the male heir who is mm-hmm. going to have the, the lineage passed down, right? Sure. Perdita's not. No. But she is the inheritor of what happens. But it's a it's the weaker of the two inheritors. So Leontes is not if Mamilius had been brought back, there might have been a threat, a further threat to Leontes' masculinity. It's almost like a like by bringing Hermione, the meek and mild wife, mm-hmm. and Perdita, the beautiful, chaste shepherdess slash princess. By bringing them back to him, he's got a family. He's got a wife who can't produce any more heirs because she's well past her prime. Yeah. Um, a daughter who he's going to marry off to uh, the king of Bohemia someday, right? Eventually, Florizel will become king of Bohemia. So Leontes is still left with, like, it's it's not. He has no masculine offspring. Is that all you're saying? Well, I think it's it's part of it. I think there's something to that. Is what I'm getting at. The fact that his, you know, if Mamilius had been brought back as well, it would have been a different ending, wouldn't it? Yeah, but I mean that it would have just been a more complicated one. I don't like I don't I don't think that's I think the it, it conflicts a little too much with the uh romantic comedic aspect of the second half where you have this perfect couple who's perfect in sure. every way and is going to solve all the problems and lo and behold they do. If you throw in Emilius, yes, it confuses that for sure. And that might be that might have been a, a step too far down the complication path. For, for well, and I, for I guess if you bring Mamilius back, why can't you bring Antigonus back? Because, you know, Antigonus, Paulina's first husband, famously mauled to death by the yeah, we didn't even mention bear. We didn't mention the bear. The bear. But Pursued by Bear yes. comes from this play. It does, yes. Um, where, he, yeah, he gets eaten alive. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I see where you're coming from. I just, Mamilius is a reflection of Leontes' youth. And when he dies... Leontes innocent youth also passes away and that's what and that is that is actually the moment where he changes so the 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 sequence of events there during the uh courtroom scene I guess where the the oracle comes in and tells mm-hmm. him that he's wrong he doesn't back down when the oracle he's like nah the oracles are liars that it has no truth there and it's only when his son dies that he realizes oh no Apollo I've I'm sorry I, I didn't mean that mm-hmm. It, it is it is the death of his son that prompts his actual grief. 
or that prompts his change of heart to realize mm-hmm. that he's been lied to, mm-hmm. to himself. Yeah. So I feel like that after that point to bring him back would be to negate the thing that actually changed his, yeah. his, his mind. And then I everything else is a little more personal. I feel like, I, I think you're, you're right. There is something there in the sense that Mamilius is a, a, ver, a younger version of, uh, of the king. Mm-hmm. So when he dies, that youthful, hopeful kingship has gone with it. Sure. And what you have instead is is uh, repentance for for fifteen years. Um, right. If he if if the son has any chance of coming back, it kind of negates that because then there's no actual harm done. Um, there's nothing to. There, if if nobody if if everybody came back to life, nothing would have changed in that fifteen years. You know what I mean. It's a bit of retroactive thinking, but yeah, okay, I get it. Like, I, it's an interesting point you raise. I just, I don't think it matters that much. That's fair. You really want to bring him back? No, I, I, <laughs> I just, I, I was so convinced of my thought, my train of thought, and it's hopelessly derailed. And so it's <laughs> just, no, it's not your fault. It's that I, 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 I'm not cogent enough to actually say it out loud i guess or bring it back right yeah that's my that's that works it's late on a saturday night yeah exactly if i longer stay we shall begin our ancient bickerings so this episode's ancient bickering uh we're reaching beyond the scope of this episode a little comparative literature yeah a little a little uh, more broad stroke shakespeare uh leontes sucks uh in <laughs> the first half of the play uh so Lindsay. This is the question. Who is the worst husband in all of Shakespeare? You can say Leontes, and I think it's a fully defensible position. Well, no, I, I, yes. The problem with this question, as we've talked about, you know, when we were coming up with this idea for this question <laughs> an hour ago, um, is that I, I can't think of all the husbands. <laughs> there have been a lot of bad wives, you really? know, yeah, Regan, Goneril, oh, uh, yeah, Lady okay. Macbeth, yeah. I think yeah. is a good wife, but also a bad wife. Uh, the um, the queen from Henry the Sixth, Part Two. You know, there's there's yeah. there's a yeah, lot okay. of negative yeah, queens yeah. and and wives in the in the the pantheon mm-hmm. of Shakespeare plays. That's true. Wow, That's did true. I really just say that? You did. Um, but in terms of husbands. And bad ones. I mean, the ones that really stick out, obviously, Othello, Laontes. You said Claudius from Hamlet. And I would actually argue against him being a bad husband because he's he's a bad guy. Certainly tries to kill he Hamlet. He poisons her. By accident. I think he really loves her. I think he's he's a good husband to Gertrude. He's he's a bad stepdad. He's a bad king, but he's not mean to Gertrude. He he wants to kill her son. Yeah, but not her. And he killed her husband. Yeah, but not he, her. But because he, he loved her, so he like in the okay. So this is, wow. Okay, so it's okay to commit murder I, I, as long as you marry her afterwards. Okay, got you, Lens. No, well, you know, in Shakespeare, yes. That's, <laughs> I'm not giving Claudius a pass. I'm just You're saying, giving is he him a pass. Husband, then. Is he a worse husband than Othello? Oh, no, I, I think I think Othello is is um, is the worst husband. 
I think mm-hmm. Othello could have been a good husband. I think Othello had um, a lot of the... Uh, he had all the, the attributes and then let himself be taken advantage of and yeah. manipulated. Now, you're going to say Leontes, I think, because... No. Oh, you're not. Because the, the... Okay, then let me talk about Leontes for a minute. <laughs> because... Like we said, he doesn't have an Iago to twist That's true. his mind. Uh, yeah, it is. So just it's him. like, is is Leontes he, worse? Yeah. Because Othello murders Desdemona with his bare hands. But yeah, but Leontes, Leontes doesn't even have the balls to do that. Well, he's no, going to order her execution. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he's the king. Yeah, fine, but that that's a it's a mood point. It's not something that ever comes to pass. So you know, it's it's ordering her execution is different. No, it's not. It's worse. <laughs> I no. I don't think it's worse it's than, than strangling passion. her to death in in your marital bed. No, I think Othello really does take the cake. I think for that action alone. I mean, yeah, I think, he's the I only one who murders really, his wife. Really bad. I think that's that's fair. I think he is. Is there another one who murders his wife? I, I can't mean, think Macbeth's any. actions lead to Lady Macbeth, but, but, so, but Lady, Lady Macbeth's, Macbeth's own actions. actions yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I don't know. I think I, it's it's a tight one. I think Othello comes out on top. Okay. Or at the bottom. However you yeah, want to measure this. Yeah, I know. It's definitely this. the bottom. Yeah. No, and that's a very good point. Uh, my, okay, Leontes was going to be my choice. But yeah, I think. There's, I a, nice, there's a nice comedic parallel in, I think it was Mr. Ford in The Merry Wives <laughs> of Windsor, who was also convinced that his wife was <laughs> sleeping around with Falstaff. Right. And went to no end, no end of troubles Extremes. in order to try and catch them in the act and <laughs> made a complete ass of himself multiple times. Uh, got thrown out with the bathwater, I believe. Uh, that, no, Falstaff, no, that was, that Falstaff, Falstaff happened once, did. but yeah, I think the, the husband also was uh, ridiculed roundly, which is great. But he, they're, they're two peas of the same pod i feel like these these men who just the very uh initial thought that uh my wife could be unfaithful and sorry i should come back to that point i was earlier in the episode and saying like well why would men be upset if women are unfaithful like that's not cool cheating on your partner is not cool yeah, that's not okay, what i'm saying sure, yes. but but you know it's it's this preoccupation with the heritage and and stuff in this play in particular but for both of these characters it's literally just the 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 mention you know, this tiny little prickle of a thought that they just cannot uh, hold back. And so it I feel like... And yeah, and it this and, ugly thing. Yeah, and in both of them, I feel like the audience is supposed to kind of feel bad for them. And I don't. And I feel like that's what makes them the worst Well, and, and, and Master Ford is... Yeah, okay, we're supposed to feel a little bad for him, but he's also the butt of the joke. Yes. But so is Falstaff in, in Mary Wise. Absolutely. So, and and if this was a comedy throughout, Leontes would be the same character. That's kind of my point, is yes. like is that both of them it's really just the tone of the rest of the play. But I feel like uh if I remember correctly, Master Ford did wanna, you know, have his wife pilloried and and marched around town tarred and feathered and stuff like that because he was he maybe that was just a couple passing lines i can't remember the play very well now Mm. but i feel like the same root is there i feel like this complete mistrust of uh the female gender yeah uh, is just it's just it's just terrible and you're right i mean okay yeah othello murders someone for his thoughts Mm mm-hmm objectively maybe a little worse <laughs> but i'm just saying i think these guys are are more susceptible to it because they are not prodded they do not have the uh, iago they do it on their own and they're 
they they should be laughed at. I, that's why I loved Mary Wives of Windsor so much yeah. because Shakespeare was finally laughing at this ridiculous cuckoldry. Do you concern. really feel that Laontes like we're supposed to feel bad for Laontes? Because I don't feel bad for Laontes. I feel like no, maybe not bad. I feel like we're supposed to laugh at him. I feel like we're supposed to mm. laugh if this was a comedy, we would be laughing at him. For sure. You know what but I mean? It's not like, a comedy. No, I know. I just, I'm just saying. I know. I, I the, the structure is there for him to be a ridiculous character, but Shakespeare takes it down the ridiculous right. too dark category. Yes, because to ridiculous his wife and, and son and daughter and one of his courtiers all die, and he you know banishes his yeah, best okay. friend. So bad and, things happen. That's okay. That's yeah. fine. But you know, it's Sicily, man. It happens. Sometimes you sleep with the fishes. <laughs> Jesus H. Christ. That's terrible. I'm sorry to all Sicilians everywhere. And the mafiosi <laughs> who are listening to this right now. They're not listening. Probably not. Yeah, they, right. they have better taste. Methinks thou art a general offense and every man should beat thee. I think thou was created for men to breathe themselves upon thee. So, Lindsay, what is next on our big list of podcast topics? I'll tell you because I remember it yeah. is Shakespeare, the Hermitage. Not the Hermitage. The Hermitage. The Hermitage. The other word that starts with an Pilgrimage. With pilgrimage. Pilgrimage. Is, is regarding. Hermitage. That's the museum of the palace in Russia. Lindsay, I knew it ended with an A-G-E. Okay. <laughs> Just my brain is not doing good these he days. He had one sip of Pilsner and he's drunk <laughs> off his of cord. But anyways, yes, it's the pilgrimage <laughs> topic. Uh, we talked about it a little last yeah, episode. Well, and, episode. And yeah, well, and we talked about it uh, at... A little bit at length when we when we did our Shakespeare, um, the economics of Shakespeare. Yeah, yes. and like the the how we make money, the tourism dollar, right? Yeah. Uh, but the pilgrimage aspect, I think it's going to be a bit of a walk down memory lane for Aiden and I. will tell you a little bit about our trip to Stratford upon Avon in uh, uh, January 2014, I think mm-hmm. it was, or late December 2013, um, and uh, maybe share some pictures on our yeah. our landing page for the podcast um because it is it is something that you know bardolatry being what it is there's a whole industry built up around the shakespeare pilgrimage and uh it's not the only one you've got jane eyre pilgrimage and you've got charles dickens pilgrimage and you've got the beatles pilgrimage england is full of and we did most of those we We also did a jack the ripper one we did yeah Yeah. so i mean we didn't do the the canterbury tales pilgrimage we did not make it to canterbury that's true um but uh that would have been yeah you know and the the big one i guess if you're wanting if you're going to go on english pilgrimage yeah yeah literally we did all the secular pilgrimage yeah Following that, we have Cymbeline, which is another one of my favorite plays. Mm-hmm. I really like these problem plays. I think they, they give you a lot to think about. And they stick with you a long time after. Yeah. Like, yeah, the big ones, Romeo and Juliet, Hamlet, there certainly are um, big moments. But these plays have, I think it, I like it so much because it is the bittersweetness of them. Mm-hmm. Because it's not wholly tragic. It's not wholly comedic. It's like life, right? They're they're like this nice mix of reality, and it's it's nice to see Shakespeare. He's come such a long way, right? Our little William, 
He's come such a long way from the the early days of yeah. of you know cut and dried storylines. You know Two now he's matured. This. Yeah, yeah he's he's come into his own as a as a writer and is writing things that are very true to life and much more mature. And uh, and I just appreciate that's what I appreciate about him. That's right. So we'll end on that letter, Kenny reference. Yes. And I uh, hope everyone has a wonderful two weeks. We'll see you uh, for the next episode. You can find all our episodes on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast fix. If you want to tell us what you think of Shakespeare, his plays, poems, or any of the topics we discuss, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us on Twitter, that's at the Bixpod, on Facebook at facebook.com slash thebixpod, or by email at thebixpod at gmail.com. That's our cue to exit.